Hi, my name is Sally Milner. I'm a commercial lawyer at a law firm here in Melbourne. I'm also a partial owner and director of Benalitim Products. And today I'm talking to Sally for the first episode of Lawyer by Day, a podcast about lawyers' hidden stories. I met Sally in the early 2000s at uni, but we didn't come across each other again until many years and a few degrees later when we fronted up for the beginning of a seasonal clerkship at a law firm in Melbourne. We were doing the obligatory introductions, we were instructed to share something interesting about ourselves, and we were four people in and I was hearing about Benalla Timber Products. Benalla Timber Products is a wholesaler and retailer of treated pine, um, mainly trellis and poles, across Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, as well as some of South Australia. So we skip ahead another few years, Sally's still a shareholder and director in that family company but she's also working full-time as a commercial lawyer. What group do you work in? I'm in the corporate advisory team. What work does that involve? So that involves like mergers, acquisitions, sale of business. So that can either be like a share sale or asset sale, Um, looking into also the advisory aspect. So in terms of director's duties, um, just how businesses are set up, you know, the best way to structure your shares, kind of advising people on like how to make the most money out of their operations, basically. I hinted to Sally that maybe being the owner and director of a company helped her get that coveted first clerkship. So it's kind of unusual in terms of the, the fact that I'm like 32-year-old woman that's a director of a timber treatment plant. <laughs> it just seems uh, quite bizarre, and I think probably in terms of the interview process of the law firm, was really advantageous that people like kind of stood out uh, from the crowd that you're not just, you know, volunteering somewhere on the weekends. <laughs> what is a timber treatment plant? Have you seen like trellis poles and posts around, say like in parks and things like that, wineries? The timber treatment plant is the pine post production. So in terms of your contracts with the suppliers, so you have the pine treatment poles come in, you peel, dock them all, treat them, and then supply them. So basically it's a wholesaler and they do a little bit of retailing as well. Where and how did this business begin? So um, oh, so I should mention that Benalla is like northeast Victoria, so it's a country operation. My mum and dad were involved. They bought the business in about 1991. So they bought the, into the business in 1991 and they had a partner. So they had, I think, two-thirds and the partner had another third. And then the partner uh, left and they bought his share out. And I became involved in about 2005. My dad passed away. And so I took up his director role and took up his share that time as well. And then my sister took up the other share that my mum held when she passed away in uh, 2011. Yeah. That must have been a pretty intense process being thrown into the business in that way. Yeah, so I was sort of, I'd always been sort of involved in it in terms of like working in at the holidays. I'd do like a couple of shifts in the office and things like that. But kind of you, it's not really a choice about being involved in terms of taking up family responsibility. But I think I really enjoy it. But it was very intense, yeah. 
What was your involvement working on holidays before you became a director of the company? Yeah, so in terms of working on holidays, it's like when I was in high school, I think I did, and especially because I was in the boarding school. So like you had like intense times when you're at home, basically with not much to do. And when I wasn't like working in the pharmacy for my mum, because that was her main occupation, um, was sort of manning the phones and orders and coming in. And the biggest, I think, challenge was you so aligned with metric thinking that everything's in foots and inches and you're like six four, you're like, I don't know what is happening here. Is that a small post? Is that a long post? What what should I be looking at? Um, but it was, yeah, I really, I liked it, but I could tell that that's obviously not what I was going to do forever. <laughs> was going home in that way a bit of a chore for you? Um, not really, because it was so nice going home away from school that it was just good to be at home without living with, you know, 50 girls and spending time with my family as well as my sister's three years younger than me. So when she wasn't there yet, um, it was nice spending like quality time with her. And even like when we boarded together, we didn't really see each other that much. So it was like almost catching up with her despite already living together. When you made the transition from kind of summer employee to director, what things did you have to learn? So I think in terms of when I first became a director... Honestly, I didn't really understand the responsibilities and roles of what that actually held. And it's probably through studying law that I understood more about, you know, this is what your legal responsibilities are. So it's after that, I took more active interest in terms of what requirements the role held and understanding sort of what, you know, what impact you have and the responsibilities you hold. Now... My So I hold a third, my sister holds a third, and the current managing director, he's like heavily involved in the business, basically the face of um, Banalsian products. He has the other third. And we have a sort of a really excellent relationship with him because I've known him basically since I was in about grade five and went to school with his kids and everything. So who are roughly the same age as Jess and I. About every like probably two months, three, three months, we catch up with him to see, you know, how's the business operating, what are the current challenges, as well as, you know, ensuring that we sign off on and have consultancy arrangements for huge, like, um, investment decisions. So I think, like, looking forward, there'll be some big decisions in terms of the operation of the plant because it is quite old. And even changes to like occupational health and safety or changes in technology affect the investments you make. So for example, a few years ago and make the decision to invest in a particular piece of machinery that assists with, this sounds so dull, um, compacting all the dirt around the yard so that ensure that when all the trucks come through, all the dirt isn't like raised up and dust because one of the major things is and I always remember this from childhood, is that the place is essentially either incredibly dusty or incredibly muddy. <laughs> That's like the two extremes. As a lawyer then, you must have a difficult challenge of bringing those types of responsibilities to other people's attention as well. 
I think um, probably not so much challenges, probably like insight in terms of um, that people do, and I understand from like my personal perspective too, do take up directorships and don't understand that the liabilities and the responsibilities of that. And I think from my personal experience, it kind of assists in terms of ensuring that people don't take up anything too um, arduous or onerous without fully understanding. Um, I think probably I, because I'm a junior in my team, obviously, obviously I'm not like, hey, huge company, don't do this. <laughs> but from a personal perspective, you can like have insight into what the actual challenges are and what your responsibilities are. You talked about investment that the, the company will need to make um, in the near future. How do you work through that planning process to think about where the business has been and then what it's going to look like in 15 or 20 years? I think probably like we take strong input from and obviously he's a central part of it is the managing director and we are very fortunate in terms of like so his son's a year younger than me and looking to move back to Benalla and take a role in the business so I think that's going to be critical in terms of the path towards business success because one of the like personally greatest um thing you think about you're scared about fears fear fears <laughs> one of the greatest fears I had was like that something would happen to the manager director and then you know, so much of it, he, the business is tied to his um, connections or the um, the time that he's had with the business is all like personal and so much knowledge that he held is like that succession planning part. So that's probably one of my greatest fears was that something's going to happen or alternatively we would find someone to take on his role in the future and that person would then leave after a few years. His son will play a critical part going forward depends on what that looks like and obviously we have like heaps of stuff to iron out there um but in terms of investing i think that though like both gary and ricky um will be key in you know what the business is going to look like but i think in terms of my sister and my involvement originally like when my mum was unwell i was like what do you want us to do with the timber products and she's like you don't need to do anything you just like you can maintain what you're doing at the moment. There's no reason to change or get out of it. Like it's a great operating business and it's really well set up. And I think like that's obviously a testament to both her and my dad and Gary, the managing director. Yeah. You mentioned the possibility of Gary's son moving back to Benalla mm-hmm. to um, take a role in the business. I don't know if you're ever considering moving back to Vanilla to, to have a different role in the business to the one you have now, but what's your relationship to Vanilla? I think probably one of my attractions to law is that it has the ability to move. So even though I'm at a huge firm at the moment, essentially like why I also why nominate like why I wanted to change careers was that the ability to work in the country and work for yourself or work for someone smaller. I think that's what kind of probably in the back of my mind, whether I move back to Benalla or move to another country town, that kind of like stuck with me. But in terms of my current relationship with the town, I probably go home like every two to three weeks. 
like I'm a member of the Benalla Golf Club there. My sister and I are also on like a scholarship committee there that assists um, girls in year 11 and 12 to go away to tertiary studies. Um, not like full scholarships, but in terms of gives them a little bit of financial assistance and more so gives them sort of that push in, their, in the direction they want to head. I think we're still like strongly tied to the community, but obviously when you don't live there day to day, you don't have that identity in the town as such. Is it a challenge not having that identity in the town when you do have this significant involvement in the place? I don't think so. I think it's probably... I think one of the advantages with Gary is that he does have... He's a very um, great people person. So he does carry that weight of um, being the face of Benalla Timber Products, which is great in terms of, like, he's had involvement. Obviously, his kids went to, like, same primary school as ours. So he's been involved in, like, the community aspect from sport, like, business and things like that. So I think that's really advantageous. And, like, my mum in particular, and also my dad, were very, like, strong people in the community. So we still have all the people who are, like, family friends or some people we went to high like, primary school with that we still have that, like, strong connection to the town. So you'll st- I st- we'll go home and go out for lunch or brunch or like dinner we've got no food in the house clearly it's going out for food all the time supporting local business and um we'll see generally like one of our neighbors or one of our like people from golf or family friend or you know you can't like walk down the street without seeing someone you know still but it doesn't have that strong you know visibility which is actually also kind of (laughs) nice do you know many people or have you seen many people go through the process of moving home to do something that their family had done not that i can see personally i can think of like one of my friends who did move back but i think he always had that in his mind that he was going to go back in terms of the girls we talked to for the scholarship process it probably provides a insight into what like the town's thinking so we meet with like i think we met 12 applicants this year and majority of them were all picking careers or picking like occupations that they wanted to do that allowed them to return so I think we only had maybe like two out of the 12 that said no I'm gonna go to the city and stuff this place (laughs) but all the rest were you know I'm picking this because either my family is involved in it or this is what I want to do and it does allow me to come back to Benalla in the future I think there's more a like a lifestyle choice about people are, you know, thinking about what do I want my future to look like and is it going to be in the city or the country? And a lot of people I think are more comfortable saying that, that yes, it does, like I can't stand the city. What is the lifestyle choice? It's just, mm, I think probably like the best way I had looking into it was that I had like a career like a career gap between when I finished in HR when I started at the law firm of about six months and during that time I was like I thought about traveling overseas and in the end I said no I just want to spend time up at home so I spent like quite a few months just you know um relaxing at home basically summer of Sally one may say um that one would be me uh and it was just like in terms of you'd get home and you'd 
be able to like not have the not to have, not not have the pressure of going out or meeting up with friends but when you did catch up with friends it was like good quality time like for example like it's not like this weekend where I packed like 18 different things into one day it was more like do the one thing and then come home decompress and even I found the drive like because we live 20 minutes out of town that drive we can just go 100 k's no traffic lights at all and you get home is just completely so relaxing and so different from doing my you know 30 minute commute on the train where you're surrounded by other people sort of just just so many other people (laughs) you mentioned that you worked with your mum in the pharmacy what work did you do with her um so I worked with her probably since I was about I was a legal age 14 years nine months yeah (laughs) almost every summer I worked with her so that was all so sort of like taking the prescriptions, um, customer service. So it's your standard sort of pharmacy assistant role. Did your mum start that pharmacy in Vanilla? Yeah, so she did. So she, um, mum and dad met in Geraldton and WA, like just in a laundromat. Yeah, it's very, I think, and that's where I get this like immense sense of I will meet my future husband, you know, at the grocery store or like won't be through traditional means. I think that's probably why I'm still single. Um, but, yeah, so they met at a laundromat and mum was doing her um, a stint as a pharmacist there in Geraldton. And dad was essentially working as a wool classer. So that's like where you throw the wool out on the table and class it into different um, classifications, basically. Kind of what it says on the job role. Um, and so they met and um, I think they were engaged eight weeks later and moved and um, got married in Sydney and then moved to Melbourne. And Dad re-qualified as a TAFE teacher and he got sent to, like, that's when they were doing, I think, the allocated teaching role. So you'd be given a, like, location that you had to go and teach at and he was given Benalla. So that's how Mum and Dad ended up in Benalla, um, which was... Uh, at the time, a really highly regarded post, like everyone wanted to move there. Uh, so he was a TAFE teacher and then mum was like thinking about setting up her own business. And so there was two locations that they were considering. One was, uh, they're both off the main street. And so I think this is, you know, it's like family folklore. Dad sat outside both locations, I think over a lunch period, two different days and counted how much foot traffic was outside each one. And then the one that they decided to lease the building on was the one with the more foot foot traffic, which was like just almost opposite one of the shopping centres. So that's how she started that. And that would have been uh, around about, I was born 84. I think it's like roughly kind of like later on in that year or the following year that she started that. And then... She had that one and then she later on um, took on a business partner and they purchased another pharmacy in town. So out of the four pharmacies at a stage, they had involvement in two of them. Would you then describe your parents as entrepreneurs? Definitely. Like the definition of like um, mum's always very uh, like passionate about education, but also about sort of like informal education in terms of continuing to challenge yourself, you know, making, 
like opportunities out of nothing like I loved how she was always like very frugal or okay tight um with you know like uh I remember it was like we would you know have you know the watered down tomato juice the watered down orange juice and she said that she preferred the taste I definitely do not think anyone prefers the taste of that um but she would like do stuff like that but then make huge investment decisions (laughs) She'd rather spend like 300K than she would $3. <laughs> why, why was that the case? Like what, what does that say about her? I think it probably says about her that she could see in the short term that all those tiny things, those tiny things you do really make an impact into allowing you to make those huge investment decisions. So, you know, Rather than, and I feel a lot of people get sucked into this in terms of, you know, you see the people at work that buying the two coffees a day, but then complaining about not being able to afford a house is that same sort of um, thinking in terms of, you know, those two coffees a day will mean, like, if you cut them out, will mean that one day you can make those big decisions. And I always remember she told me the story that when she was at uni, she used to buy like a hamburger once a week and was, I think from memory, it's like a dollar. And then the hamburger went up to a dollar ten, and she's like, "No, I could no longer afford to buy the hamburger." I was like, I was like "This story is equally ridiculous and sad." And then I was like, "No," oh, and that's why we were hand-me-down clothes. I think it's probably like her and dad were a really good team in terms of like he wasn't formally like university educated, so he. Also, he had the like the opportunity, so he went away to boarding school, and but I think he was either expelled or suspended at the end of year ten, so just like didn't finish high school, um, but was really you know intelligent in terms of technically um, very savvy because wool classing is a, as much as it sounds like quite easy. It's a very um, I think a hard process in terms of defining, you know, what the different wool classes are and then him going into that teaching aspect where he could share that with other people he really enjoyed. Of the education, the frugality (laughs) (laughs) and the decisiveness to make big and well-thought-out investment decisions, have you inherited or learned any of those better than others? I think probably the decisiveness. I think I probably can't say probably the decisiveness because that's a complete oxymoron. Um, I probably have a greater sense of guilt about the frivolous spending I do do um, rather than just being like YOLO, <laughs> splashing the cash around. Um, rather, than <laughs> So I think it does pay off in terms of like what she's passed on to me to think about more so the planning for the future so looking forward to be like what do I want you know in the next five years ten years and what steps I'm going to take to achieve that so in terms of you know when I was working in HR and then making the conscious decision to go back and study law was it was strongly influenced by her because she could see that I wasn't happy and that she knew that that was not the career for me. So she was um, still alive then when I made that decision. So that was really important to me that, 
you know, that she knew what I was going to do with my life and like she was really supportive of it. Do you think our generation of lawyers and the people that we work with are equipped in that way or have we learnt those skills? I think I think we have a lot less patience in terms of what what you want to achieve if you're not achieving it in your set timeline then you're going to be start looking around or if you're not going to get the client exposure or you're not going to you know be involved in the matters you want to be involved in people are a lot less willing to go oh well I've got these you know commitments they need to meet so I'm going to stick it out or let's see what happens um people are a lot more like if they're not getting the you know the work they want to do or they feel like um, the firm's not aligned with the direction they're going then people just I think very quickly to shop around and rather than stick it out and think about you know how is this going to assist me in the long term about what I want to achieve everyone's much more like short-term focused and you can see that obviously with retention rates and people being flight risks and the investments that firms put into their juniors to make sure that they, you know, are involved in matters they want to be involved in. If people are flight risks and just generally more flighty than they used to be as junior lawyers, should a number of those people be thinking about becoming entrepreneurs? I think so. I think as a lawyer and probably as a junior, you get so focused on what you're doing and the group of people you interact with that you almost and I can see myself doing at some stages forget that there's an outside world that at the end of the day those things that you stress about aren't necessarily going to impact your life long term and by having any outside pursuits or interests or you know involvement in the community or business allows you to have that you know, you step away from what you're doing day to day and realize that that's not the be all and end all of where your life's going to go. Does business give you a perspective that nothing else will give you? I think definitely like nothing. So in terms of other pursuits people might be involved in, whether it's, you know, musical or sporting, things like that, they're often quite um, individual and the impact it has the, the financial or reputational impact it could have on you are very limited whereas as in business you're thinking about your decisions and what direction your company is going to go in can affect not only like your life but you know the lives of your employees um, your suppliers all the other people who like depend on you or depend on the business so it kind of gives you a greater sense of responsibility and ownership that you know individual pursuits don't without meaning to sound too dramatic what you just (laughs) described does sound like a pretty high stakes project when you're involved in any business that you're putting yourself out there on the line so no matter whether you're you know just a director not just a director but whether you're a director or whether you're an owner you're essentially putting 
stuff on the line, which is exciting. Like it's exciting. Like what they say, like high stakes, high reward. And I think that's probably key to it. Like you're not going to, you know, win big by doing $1 bets. You have to like some stage push it all in. And I think that's what my mum and dad did both with the pharmacy business and with banana timber products is that they, you know, went into ventures that they put a, yeah, they put themselves out there and I think like reaped the benefit. People have to realize that their work won't essentially make them happy. They have to be happy in themselves first. And whether that's seeking opportunity to act in an entrepreneurial role or be involved in entrepreneurial business, then that's probably one thing they should consider. Like there's a guy who recently he's resigned and leaving this week and he's resigned to go set up his own business, um, which is super exciting. But um, you also see people that would be too frightened to do something like that or the people who just essentially, like I think it goes across all like, walks of life, essentially love to bitch and moan, just complain about what they're facing at work and how they hate it and how they live for Fridays, but they're reluctant to do anything to change it. And I think that's where, you know, obviously entrepreneurship isn't for everybody, but I think those people either need to shut up and deal with it, which is super harsh, or they need to, you know, take active steps to change it. And that's not saying that, you know, if you have a bad week at work, you should start, you know, get your Seek subscription up and get all your email alerts on. It's meaning that if you are just constantly living for Friday in a cycle that's gone on for like multiple years then you need to look at what you're doing um and work out how to change it and obviously that doesn't include you know the people with family commitments and things like that but i think if you're in a family role then you're going to be a more positive role model to your kids and to your partner if you are happy and you'll be a happier person to be around is any of this on the law firms? Is any of this about the types of people that law firms are recruiting at the junior level? Mm, good question. It's about realistic expectations. So the firms can't, like a firm can't promote itself to be involved in all this different stuff and, you know, over promote and then under deliver. I think you have to be realistic and it's probably where, you know, having in a seasonal clerkship role when it goes for three weeks you're exposed to it and I think in three weeks you can kind of if a firm's trying to BS you you can see through it in that time to be like what the people are actually doing and essentially I know it gets bandied around a lot but in terms of what the work culture is like because in three weeks it's really hard to I think mask what the actual firm is all about Are there any challenges in balancing a full-time role at a law firm and being the director of a business in rural Victoria? I think it's probably time-wise I'm fortunate to have Gary in that huge role he's in. But there is, I think, challenges in balancing everything. And I find that, you know you're pulled in eight different directions and you're only one person at the end of the day. And especially with work to be 
because it can go up and down. Like I'm in a role that essentially you can plan a lot around, but sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. I think that's the same for most of the teams. Like other than the teams who are involved in, you know, day-to-day transactions that can leave at a reasonable hour. Some days you just don't know what's going to happen. I think, and you get pulled in terms of, you know, your social life as well as, you know, what you're doing outside of work. So like lots of people have different commitments and things. I see that with, you know, people with kids that are like, you're allowed, you know, have flexibility and things like that. And I think my work's been super supportive. So um, I had to leave early a few times because, you know, involved in uh, there was like business awards back at home and Gary couldn't attend. So Jess and I went along um, to stand up there to re- receive the award and works like really good in terms of when you have to do stuff like that. But it is definitely like, I think um, previously studying and working at the same time was a lot harder than it is now, like is now for me. So I found that when I was working four days a week and studying part time, that was a lot more challenging because you had essentially like this thing that you really wanted to do. Um, so you had to think about the long, the long game in terms of why you're doing all the subjects and why you're working your butt off basically. And now going back to working without studying on the side and having all those, the additional commitments as regular, it kind of makes it a bit easier because I don't have that study aspect. Like when you have, and you'd find the same thing that when you're studying as well as working is that you have the Sunday night, like, Oh God, you think about everything I should have done on the weekend and how much study I could have done. And, you know, even when you have a night off, you're like, Oh, it's like this like ghost in the back or a shadow sort of haunting you to be like, you'd be doing so much better at uni if you actually studied more. <laughs> so I think not studying, yeah, the people who go work full time at a law firm and study as well, I take my hat off to them because that's incredibly draining. <laughs> Actually, I'll ask this one first. Do you talk to people at work about your business in any detail? Um, I talked to, I mentioned it to one of the partners, and so he asks about it now, which is like he, and he also actually, we had a client lunch last week that he then brought it up at which was kind of nice I think there was a lull in conversation that he just filled it with that um but not really that many people uh I kind of like to keep it sort of separate and because I'm not doing things on it day to day and also I don't want people to think that like I'm conflicted at all or that you know my my time's not fully invested at work and also, it probably just doesn't. Yeah, I like keeping it a semi-private, and then doing a podcast going goes against it. <laughs> but yeah, don't talk about it. Data, don't be like, "Oh, great month of the polls this month." <laughs> Do you feel the need to guard that business life from your legal practice in some way? I think. I think so. Like, I think. One, unfortunately, in terms of it doesn't really it doesn't really come up that much, and probably I don't talk about it because I do feel like it's a sense of not blow your own horn, but 
you know, talking about what you're doing and talking about the commitments that you have just seems a bit like you're, you know, self-promoting and if it's not naturally coming up in conversation or, you know, um, like directly related to what you're doing, then if you were to talk about it or bring it up, you would sound like a bit of a wanker. <laughs> and then someone asks you about it on a podcast, which is completely Yeah, and then someone legit. asks about it on a podcast and you like completely open up your whole whole like mind and soul into bearing into the great wilderness of the podcasting world. Yeah. What's next for Benella Timber Products? I think it's going to be really exciting to see what happens with the succession planning. Um, and I think Ricky, speaking to him late last year, has some great ideas about where the business needs to go. Uh, I think in terms of it's really well set up at present, but there are always opportunities. And I think with you know with the cold eyes or fresh eyes review, then you can have that perspective coming in. Um, so I think that's, you know, what's probably the most exciting thing out of the recent years that, you know, looking forward, I can see that I've got a greater comfort in where the business is going to go. Is there anything you're going to need to have to learn in the next few years to make sure that the business keeps going how it's going? Um, I think it's always things you can be learning and looking at. And probably strategy-wise is, you know, where those opportunities are, understanding those and taking on, having a new relationship with someone else. Like when something in business has been operating for, you know, I think like we've had the current kind of state of play for the last five years. When there's a change, it's always going to be, you know, learning to even interact with someone that you haven't previously had that professional association with. Like Ricky and I, like, you know, we're in the same class in grade five and six and going from, you know, knowing each other as kids to working together as adults. I think that's probably going to be a learning curve. You had parents who are entrepreneurs and you are now a commercial lawyer. What's your relationship with risk? I think some things I do are risky, but I think I'm quite more like a lot more structured. So for example, when I, back when I decided to return to study, I did make a embarrassingly long Excel spreadsheet with the different career paths tracked out on it um, in order to make, make my decisions. And so weighing up pros and cons. And I think probably, I do tend to like make sure that I'm protected from risk as much as possible. And I think also like having inter- like in terms of being without parents at a young age, you look to be like what risks are going to happen and things are always going to happen that are beyond your control. I think that strongly impacts how you like plan out what you're going to do to ensure that you're not exposed to any additional risk when, you know, things are just going to come out of the blue. Do you still plan 
in detail for career and business and life? So I'm at the stage now where I've actually just reached the end of that Excel spreadsheet, which is both exciting but also daunting. Um, so I'm at the stage where I'm you know, creating a new tab on that one, but I don't really know what that's going to look like at this stage. So I do, I do plan out, but I do need to revisit it. It's just that strange handover interim time. I've reached the last cell. <laughs> Lawyer by Day is by me, Mark Tyndall. If you want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lawyer by Day Pod, and you can email me at mark at lawyerbydaypodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.